Hey gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I am your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Excited to have you here for episode 78, where I sit down with the founder of FreeUp.com, Nathan Hirsch. And you can check out their website, FreeUp.com, with three E's, F-R-E-E-E-U-P.com. They are a freelancer marketplace, um, and anyone that needs a freelancer... Um, actually, Nathan's given a kind gesture to the listeners. Go sign up for an account, mention the Just Get Started podcast, and then on your first use of a freelancer, you'll get a $25 credit. Um, so thank you, Nathan, for that. And this is actually cool because I came across Nathan randomly when I was helping a friend find a freelancer online and came across their site, saw they were doing some really cool stuff and ended up following Nathan like on Twitter and um, kind of connecting with him. And I was appreciative of him taking out some time to share his journey uh, with everyone here. So excited for you guys to listen on this episode. And without further ado, let's jump into my chat today with Nathan Hirsch. Let's get it started. Nathan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, man. Awesome to uh, get a chance to chat with you further. I know we connected online and, um, you know, it's kind of interesting what you're doing now. And I really want to dive into that because I think it's such an opportunity or, or a need, um, especially kind of in the way our world is today. Um, we'll get into that in just a bit. I, I do want to take a step back as I like to do, because I'm always curious about the journey, you know, how you got to the point you are today. And I know we'll go on some tangents here. I want to start off, though, it looked like from doing some research online, you started the first business in college. Um, is that right? Yeah, I was 20. Yeah, 20 years old. And and it looks like you you spent $20, is, and you kind of highlight that. What did you spend that first $20 on to start this idea when you were in college? Yeah, both my businesses, I, I bootstrapped and I started with less than $5,000. spent about $5,000 to start free up up. And, and then with the Amazon business, I spent 20. Um, I mean, I had... I had sold some textbooks on Amazon and I had among other places. And this was back in 2008. No one really knew what Amazon was or what Amazon was going to become. And they were just getting into other products. And what ended up happening was I got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to stop selling textbooks on campus. And my parents are both teachers. I didn't want to get kicked out of college. So I quickly stopped selling books and I just wanted to sell on Amazon. I thought it was so cool. I could have this 24 seven storefront that, didn't really cost anything to run. They added a monthly fee later. Uh, but I, I just had to figure out what to sell besides books. And I started experimenting with college kids to, or college guy stuff like video games, computers, sporting equipment. And I just failed over and over and over. And then I found the baby product industry. And I had come up with the idea of drop shipping years before I even knew it was called drop shipping. I said, hey, I don't have a warehouse to put these things. I, I have a college dorm room. I I don't really have a lot of cash to buy inventory. I have a few thousand dollars in my bank account. So what if I built relationships with these suppliers that they ship the product to the end customer? I could sell it at whatever price. They would keep my credit card on file, charge me when an order came out, and I would make the difference between what I sold it for minus Amazon fees and what I bought it from. And that was the concept of the business. So I really started just listing products from different manufacturers, calling them up, building relationships. They didn't really know what Amazon was either. So my pitch was, hey, I, I, I've got a new revenue stream for you. You can keep my card on file. We can do a lot of business together. I'll handle the customer service. You just ship the orders where I tell you to. And 
got people to agree, started listing products. And I mean, the best part about it was I only made money or I only spent money if I made money. So if I didn't get any sales, it didn't cost me anything. If a sale came in and I sold it for 40, they would charge my credit card 20 and I would make the, the $20 minus fees and, and profit. So that was really the business model and how I got it off the ground for without spending much money. And that's pretty fascinating. I, I want to pry into that a little bit. You you mentioned something that's really interesting. You got a cease and assist letter from the college. What were you like peddling outside the, the classrooms or something? How did they catch a wind of what you were doing? <laughs> so I created the, this book textbook business to compete with the school bookstore because we all know school bookstores rip you off and give you pennies on the dollar. So I said, it doesn't really take much for me to beat their prices and I'll still make a pretty good profit. The margins are high and I created a referral program. And before I knew it, there were lines out the door of people wanting to sell me their books. And I have no idea how the college heard about it, but a lot of people knew that I was running the business. So they found out somehow. So was that, I mean, the idea of that origination, was that just kind of a frustration that you were going in and spend a lot of money on textbooks? Or did you hear this from a lot of your friends? Like, because a lot of people, as you know, right, I mean, we all have thousands of ideas, but to actually act on that, right, that takes a little bit extra. What, what was the problem you were trying to solve there? Was it more of the dollar standpoint or you just saw like, hey, there's a gap here. Maybe I'll try to make a few dollars. Yeah. So I, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I was always looking for ways to, to do it. And I remember going to sell my books in and they offered me, I don't know how much, a few dollars for a hundred dollar textbook. And I said, that doesn't make any sense. And I went on Amazon, sold it, got 50 bucks back or whatever. And then all of a sudden my, I, I had set up this Amazon account and my friends wanted them want to do the same thing. Didn't want to sell to the bookstore. And so I sold their books, took a percentage for myself and then started spreading it to other people. Once I realized that I could make money that way. Man, that's pretty neat. Now, did you do the business? I, I I thought I saw, and correct me if I'm wrong on this. Did you have some some co-founders or some classmates or something like that that did this with you as you grew it over a five, six-year period? Or did you kind of do mostly by yourself? <laughs> it, it's funny. With both businesses, so I started by myself. The business, one of my first hires was this guy named Connor Gillivan, and he ended up being my business partner. So he came in six months later. We've been working together ever since. And when, when I started free up very similar thing happened. Connor was working on a few different businesses. We had our Amazon business. We decided we didn't want to do anymore. And I was just focusing on free up. Well, free up took off, did better than his other businesses that there was some other um, personal reasons too, why he loved, he loved free up. And he ended up going from doing part-time and other businesses to canceling those and joining me full-time with, with free up. So kind of a similar situation where I got it off the ground, mostly by myself. And, and then Connor came in and, and we both worked full-time on it. And you'd mentioned something a minute ago I want to touch on. You, you said you kind of always, you know, kind of want to be an entrepreneur, had that, those tendencies, if you will. I'm, I'm so fascinated with the nature versus nurture argument. And, and you kind of, you mentioned both your uh, parents were teachers. How, how did your upbringing or childhood influence you wanting to be an entrepreneur? What, how did that come about, do you think? So my parents are awesome. They they've worked for, they worked for 30 plus years. They're retired now. They're traveling the world. My dad's 73. He's hiking mountains, biking, exploring. And it, that, that was a great life for him. He got to have every summer off being a teacher and got to travel and all that. And I, I knew I didn't want to be a teacher. I didn't, that, that wasn't really my thing. And my parents always made me get these 40, 50 hour a week summer jobs. And I, I learned so much about sales and marketing and customer service but I also just learned how much I hated working for other people. So by the time I got to college, after working full-time every summer and kind of getting a glimpse into what the real world was like, rather than just playing wiffle ball every day, 
<laughs> I, uh, I, I, I kind of knew that wasn't for me and I wasn't going to be happy doing that. And, and so when I got to college, I kind of looked at it as a ticking clock. I had four years to start my own business or I was going to get out and have to pay rent and have to have a way to pay my bills and get a job. And from there, it'd be tough to, to get out of the, the rat race. So I was very focused my, my first few years of college and just trying different things and, and seeing if I can get anything off the ground that could replace a job. And there was, was there anything you did from like an education background in college, anything in particular, um, you know, did you have a business background? You mentioned you kind of did sales and stuff prior. Uh, was it more of a development background? What were some of the things you were looking to get out of college? Was it a means to an end or was it just kind of, Hey, I'm just going to take these general classes, get a degree and just to get out of here. What was the kind of perspective you took on it? Well, my parents were teachers. So from what the time I was little, it was always you're going to college. <laughs> so that was just in my mentality. I, I'm also, I, it's funny to say this as an entrepreneur, because I feel like entrepreneurs are all about taking risks as I tend to be more conservative on the risk side. And in my mind, I'm thinking, listen, if I, I know that most businesses fail, if I, the last thing I want to do is go all out for a business, have it fail. And then I don't have a college degree or anything in my back pocket. So get a college degree, have in my back pocket, figure out how to grow a business. And if I get to the end and I have choices to make, I'll make those decisions at the time. And that's exactly what happened. I had full-time job offers out of college. I went to school for business. Um, it was, there's was actually a new entrepreneur program, but the cool thing about that program is I took marketing, I took accounting. So I, I had all these different um, skill sets that, that I had learned. And out of college, I had job offers. I had my Amazon business, which was doing really well. And I had that tough decision to, to make. Do I take the stability or do I go all out and, and become an entrepreneur? And I ended up picking that, that path. I mean, were you making enough at that time when college was over to, I mean, obviously you decided to go down the path. What was it a struggle early on or were you like cashing in pretty good? Do you think to like, Hey, this is not that difficult of a choice. I'm kind of curious because some folks don't have that, you know, that opportunity that you did. Yeah. I got into Amazon at a very good time. I, I was making well over a hundred thousand dollars off Amazon profit when I graduated college. It might've even been over two. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I think the most job offer, the most I got from a job offer was like 45. So, but then there's other factors too. There's health benefits and stability and no one really knew what it, an Amazon seller even was. So trying to tell my parents that I'm not getting and taking a job because I'm going to be an Amazon seller that took a little while. And um, I mean, Amazon is also just a risky animal. They can, they shut people down all the time. We have clients who have been shut down quickly. So I could have take, done the Amazon thing and within two months been shut down and I go from 100000 to nothing. So it, it, it seems like a, an easy choice from the surface being like $100,000 versus 45000 but there's a lot of other factors as well. Yeah, and, and you know, it's interesting, you know, talking about kind of diversity as well, you hear about a lot. Did you did you start to go into other avenues? Did you just stick with Amazon, kind of knowing that could have been the fate um, as you went along? What was kind of the strategy once you said, hey, this is my full-time kind of gig now in terms of continuing to scale? Because you guys scaled, it looked like you you kind of uh, made a, a decent amount of bank, right? And, and obviously grew the business pretty large over a you know, handful of years. So talk me through the strategy there once it was full-time. What were some of the things that you were able to do then um, since you kind of were able to wrap your hands around it? Yeah, we dabbled in it. A few reasons why it didn't work out. 
Um, I mean, first of all, just the, the amount of effort to go into other platforms versus Amazon at some points weren't worth it. We also weren't selling our own products. We were selling other people's products. So if we were selling our own products, yeah, we want to get into Target and Walmart and all these different places. When you're selling other people's products, they're already in a lot of different places that, that you want to be into. So there, there's some factors there. We also just got into Amazon when it was booming. It was so tough to, to get away and invest in other stuff and, and other things like, like Shopify the first few years I was doing Amazon, Shopify didn't even exist. So those options didn't weren't really there. People didn't really know that much about them. And, and Amazon was just such a beast that every time we started to invest time into other things, we, we spent some time on Newegg and there's this website Bonanza that we were expecting to take off like Amazon and they never really did. It always just came back to, let's just make as much as we can on Amazon. And even if we know that, that this isn't what we're going to be doing for the next 30 years. You know, for the, those young entrepreneurs out there, kind of, you mentioned you were 20 when you started that business. Is there anything you'd kind of give? I, I'm assuming there were probably a million times where you were like, I'm quit, I'm done with this. You know, I, I gotta, I gotta focus on schoolwork or something. Maybe you didn't, but is there any advice, anything you'd share to those kind of young entrepreneurs that have an idea? It's something they, they see as a gap or something they want to solve what you would recommend to them. Um, kind of if they were thinking about it. For me, it's, it's try as many different things as possible. I mean, when you're young, the, the good thing is, is you can take risks. If you're, if you're 40 and you have a wife and you have kids and you have a mortgage, I mean, it's tough to, to try lots of things and spend a lot of time and, and, and not make money for six months. When you're young and you're probably not making that much money anyway, making 10 bucks an hour at the local Walgreens or whatever it is, spend time trying lots of different things. And you never know when you're going to end up selling baby products or doing something random. I mean, if you had told me 10 years ago, I'd be selling baby products on Amazon, I wouldn't have believed you. If you had asked me five years ago, if I'd be running a freelancer marketplace, I wouldn't have believed you. And all that just came from lots of trial and error and, and seeing what works and what doesn't work. All right. So let's transition then, because I'm really curious, you know, how the idea originated for for free up and what you're doing now. What I did that idea pop in your head, you know, when you had some of these frustrations, as you were mentioned, I think I read online is just, you couldn't find, you know, the right talent at the right time, or had this been surfacing over many years or was it something, Hey, you saw it once and you're like, Oh my God, I got something here. Tell me about the inception of that idea. Um, you know, probably over the last you know handful of years or so. Yeah. So I, as I was selling on Amazon, I mean, my Amazon business did over $5 million. That was like our best year. And then we started being stuck in that two to three range. We weren't really selling our own products. So we were kind of just fighting the Amazon algorithm over and over. We weren't growing our brand or anything. And it became old a little fast, but we had all these freelancers that we were using that we weren't necessarily using all their hours. And Amazon sellers would come to us and say, and I would network and they would say, Hey, we're, we're having issues hiring when, I would offer them my freelancers. And that's kind of where the idea came from is people would email me, hey, I need a graphic designer. And I would say, hey, here's one that I've already vetted and I get a fee for that, for sending them that. And from there, we expanded to, to actually creating a software and marketing to Amazon sellers to eventually go into e-commerce, to eventually go into the marketing space, helping agencies and influencers and, and all that. But it all come from, came from that basic idea that building a Rolodex of reliable freelancers that people can go to. I mean, so, and you mentioned you know, your co-founder, uh, Connor, and, and yourself, did you have a development background then to like build the software? Or did, did you go, maybe you got freelancers for it, um, but, or maybe you got, you know, engineers. How did you go about those for maybe that first six months or a year of actually creating this idea, turning it into something more than just handing out a few referrals to friends? 
Yeah. So we have no development background, really. I mean, we can't code. We hired a developer. We spent a few thousand dollars building the most minimum viable product. We got it out in a few weeks and it really did. The clients had an account. The freelancers had an account. The clients could see the freelancers we added. There was no ticketing system, no affiliates, no really nothing. That's all it could do. And people would have to email me and then we'd manually add a freelancer to their account and then they would be able to see them. And, and that was it. And so we just got the product to market, minimum viable product, and, and started marketing people, started cold emailing, started networking, started trying to reach out to influencers and seeing what worked and what didn't work and, and really adjusted the business from there. And that's really how I built businesses. I've never created a business plan or tried to predict what's going to happen or go in a direction. I've always just started doing it and then adjusted to, to what people are saying, what the feedback is, what's working and what's not. So, I mean, I guess during that time, so obviously you hired a developer and, you know, you kind of got those things off. When did you, was there like a tipping point where you saw like, oh, wait a minute, we're, we're onto something here. This is, this is actually, we're getting an influx of emails. Maybe you're spending hours a day on email. I'm not sure. But when did you, when did that point hit? Was that very, very early on or did it take a, you know, a year or two to really take off? So my Amazon business and both businesses, we were very profitable within three or four months for, for whatever reason. I think we just got into very good industries at good times. I mean, the Amazon thing, we were selling Amazon before everyone else. Amazon was booming and, and baby products is obviously a big industry. I mean, with free up, we were fortunate enough that our initial clients really loved the idea and started telling other people and we got referrals and we didn't really spend that much money on marketing. And um, again, it's kind of a, it's a, the, an industry where everyone everyone needs to hire. No matter what business you are, if you're a hundred million dollar company or you're a startup, you you need you can't do everything yourself. So it's a good business to be in in the gig economy. And and what, at the time it was 2016, but but even today. So and I want to dive in a little bit deeper from a business standpoint for you, just for the folks listening. Let me let me take a step back and can you just give a little overview because people hear freelancers all the time and that can mean a lot of things. Just give a quick overview of free up kind of what you guys are doing and, and just kind of the landscape, maybe the different folks that you work with, just so everyone listening has some context around that. Yeah, so we get thousands of applicants every week, virtual assistants, freelancers, agencies from all over the world. We vet them, take the top 1%, let them in, make them available to people quickly whenever they need them. On our platform, it's free to sign up, no monthly fees. They just put in a request whenever they need someone and we fill it. And then on the back end, we have 24-7 support in case people have even the smallest issue and a no turnover guarantee. If someone quits for any reason, we cover replacement costs and get them a new person right away. So that's really what we're all about, the, the pre-vetting, the speed, the customer service and the protection. And I mean, we have people from five to a hundred plus per hour, over a hundred skill sets on the platform. And so as you started to build out the platform a little bit, then what were some of the things, were you getting feedback from a lot of the freelancers, from the clients you're working with? How did you guys continue to develop that product? Are there certain things that, you know, you could share with other folks, again, that are in the early stages of building their product of things to look out for, maybe, you know, things to maybe stay away from, I don't know, um, in those early ideation phases? Yeah, I mean, we're we're always asking for feedback, especially early on. I mean, that was a such a big thing for us is trying to understand what clients actually like. I mean, what ended up happening was the software really lagged behind everything else. People loved our customer service. They loved the freelancers on the platform, but we didn't invest in software. It was it continued to, we made small upgrades, but it was very, very basic. And at some point it got to where our service was a I like to think it's a 10 out of 10, but whatever, 9 out of 10, 9.5, whatever. And our software was probably in that two to three. And it, there was just too big of a gap. And we had to do some self-reflecting and say, hey, listen, we need to 
we need to look at ourselves as a software company. That's the core of the entire business. So we ended up hiring more devs. We, we made our developer full time and um, we, we really invested into the software, into all these features that people want. And I mean, the thing about this business is we get feedback all the time. Everyone wants different features. Sometimes it's one person wants them. Sometimes a lot of people do. There's even three parts of the software. You got the client side, the freelancer side, the admin side. So you're constantly trying to prioritize. Do you do a big project, a small project? We could spend a million dollars on our software and there'd still be more projects to do. So it's a constant battle of figuring out what people need, but we were probably able to bring our software up in that five to eight range rather than being the two to three, which makes a big difference when you're scaling a business. And, and we're trying to continue to, to close that gap. And is there certain things, so you're talking about obviously the software lagged a little bit trying to get up to speed because all the other stuff was really good. What are there certain, um, I don't know, I want to use the word complaints. That's probably for my lack of vocabulary. Um, but certain things you're hearing a lot where it allows you to, you know, kind of make that decision kind of sitting around with you and, and kind of some others and say, hey, you know what, we actually got to go in this direction. Or has it been always just kind of straightforward? Have you guys veered it all from that initial um, North Star, if you will, when you started the business, or are you guys kind of, you know, in the right line, I guess, of, hey, this is the problem we're trying to solve, and we're still going that direction? I think we we, we know the problem we want to solve. We know what we don't want to be. Like, we, we do not want to be an agency where we're project managing stuff. So even if someone wants us to project manage for them, we're, we're never going to agree to do that. That's just not what we are. We're a marketplace that works between the, the client and the freelancer. But there, there's other stuff where the yes, like we, we needed to show affiliates inside the dashboard and, and have an affiliate link that people could give out instead of having to introduce everyone via email, stuff like that, that people wanted. Um, so it, it, we get a lot of feedback and then it's kind of prioritizing, like, is it business altering? Like we added, people really wanted profiles of candidates. And for years we, we kind of pushed it off and it became, hey, we probably should have added profiles from the beginning. So we added them, people really liked them. And then there's other stuff like certain clients want to be able to see certain types of reports, but unfortunately, like if we work on that, we have to stop working on something else. And, and there's other projects that are higher priority that more clients need. So to build an entire thing and spend weeks or months on it just for one client doesn't make a lot of sense, even though we never want to tell a client that, that they're not important. And, and that's not how we want to come across. So it, it's a constant balancing act whenever you're, you're building a software. And one of the things is, and I've talked with a lot of folks on this podcast about is it's one thing when you start a business and it's just you, or maybe it's you and your co-founder, when you start actually hiring employees and have other people you're managing and relationships and all that, is there anything that you did to help you become a better leader, a better running the organization, kind of more of a, from a business standpoint versus just kind of, you know, like you're doing it, you know, earlier, just one or two people just kind of figuring out as you go along, what were some of the things that you did to, to help you become a better leader, I guess, um, over the last handful of years? I started networking. And I, I one thing I try to do is can network with three new people every day. And I found that just meeting with people, whether it's conferences and persons, phone calls, I learned so much, maybe even more than any book or, or course. So for me, that's been a, a huge key into becoming a better leader. I, I know so many entrepreneurs that are have way bigger businesses than me, multiple businesses, crushing it out there and just being able to to learn from them. I mean, that to me, that's the biggest thing. And if you're not constantly networking, I I encourage you to add that to your daily to-do list. And, and one of the other things too, kind of along the lines, I guess, of setting up the business and, and kind of progressing forward, as you mentioned, you kind of have an idea of where you want to go with it. You don't want to veer too much and almost be like others, but how did you guys start? I, this is again, something that comes up a lot, again, early on in the business, forming pricing and, and 
what you guys should charge or not. Again, for you guys in terms of the, the different freelancers, like, hey, what's the right rate? Is that just something over time that adjusted or you just kind of put it out there and it's like, hey, this is what we're doing. How, how did you guys do that early on to, to get an idea of what the market would actually bear? Yeah, so we actually don't set the rates. The freelancers set the rates. So they can charge whatever you want. Clients can negotiate. They can do fixed price. I guess the the, the thing that we decide is what our fees are, which is 15% with the $2 minimum. Um, we know, and, and that was, we didn't want to be the, the most expensive. We we obviously have to make money and it has to be worth it. We have to be a premium marketplace and, and all that. And, and I think it was just a, a lot of conversations early on. The thing about it that makes it tough is you don't want to, we haven't changed our fees since we started. It's been the same. And that's what we didn't want is to to be flip-flopping. Like a lot of, we've seen our competitors that increase and decrease and constantly changing and just leads to confusion and people not trusting the platform. So for us, we, we did our best job researching it up front and having conversations and, and picking a number that, that we expect to, to stay with long-term. And what about yourself personally? Because obviously you've been, I have to imagine you're moving a mile a minute you know, with a lot of stuff you're doing. Do you have any particular routines that keep you grounded? Maybe it's certain daily goals, weekly, monthly. How, how do you prioritize some of those things um, in terms of being effective and, and obviously getting the work done you need to get done? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have people around me that are more organized than me. And that's the truth. I mean, my, I have 30 VAs that, that are on 24-7. They're monitoring my email, their Skype. I, I teach them to when to escalate stuff to me, when to handle it themselves. They they remind me to do certain things. And, and that's really been a key for me. I mean, I'm a morning person. I tend to, to get a lot done between 6 and 9 a.m. And I kind of know that that's my most productive time. So I try to maximize that time without any distractions. And to me, that's really the key. And if you're listening out there, whether you're a night person, afternoon person, morning person, find out when you are the when you are the most productive and make sure that you're maximizing that every single day. And is there anything particular you do from a from a very like I don't know if it's meditation or you got to get a workout in during that time? Is there certain things you do to to make sure that time is is really or, organized? I guess as best as you can, as you said, um, but at least to kind of get that make it impactful for you, whether it's from a health standpoint or or obviously something else. I try to not do anything besides work at that time. <laughs> like I work out in the afternoon at 4.45 because that's when I'm the least productive. So for, for me, I try to make sure that my most productive time is focused on work with no other distractions. Never been a big meditator. I don't know why, but working out is a huge part of my routine. It's one of the best ways that I de-stress and just take care of myself and, and be able to get away from my phone, get away from my computer. Yeah, that's great. And we've been talking, obviously, a lot about a lot of the success you've had, you know, kind of over this period, maybe the last, what, 10 years, a little bit more, right? Um, and kind of all these different businesses. If you kind of reflected back and from a self-awareness standpoint, where do you think the biggest kind of struggles been or failure you've had? Maybe you've learned from or you're still learning. I don't know. Yeah. So one time I hired a, a manager of the day. I spent six months training him. I had him do every single part of my business. And for a little bit, it was awesome. Um, I was sleeping better at night and, and all that. Um, but I went on vacation and he quit on me the first day, six months of, of training and onboarding down the drain. And I learned a very valuable lesson about diversifying and hiring different people for different tasks. So if anyone quits or gets sick, it, it's very easy to replace. Wow, that's really interesting. Why, why did he quit? It just like picked up and left. Like, what was the, did he give you any reason? I mean, he was a college kid, so he wanted to focus on school, which I guess is another lesson about hiring college kids. <laughs> there you go. Maybe that's, a, maybe that's a whole other podcast episode. I don't know. Um, 
So let's talk about the the future then. What are some things you guys are excited about in the next six months, year? What are some things people can expect if they go look for your uh, for your business online? Yeah, I mean, we put out a lot of content. We we know that we can get people good freelancers, but if they don't know what to do with those freelancers after the fact, it, it only does so much good. So we want to provide content to to help them hire more effectively. And where can everyone find you guys online? Where's the best way to connect maybe with the business, but also connect with you personally if they wanted? Yeah. So if you join my Facebook group, Outsourcing Masters, we post a lot of great content there. You can find me on any social media channel. If you go to freeup.com with three E's, my calendar is right at the top and you can book a free meeting with me. And outside of that, if you create an account, uh, mention this podcast, get a $25 credit to try us out. That's awesome, man. So yeah, I, I want to add on this note, I always like to kind of, I always say like an open forum type, not that it hasn't been for the last, you know, 30 minutes or so, but what is, um, what is a piece of, maybe it's a piece of advice, maybe it's something, a quote you live by, something that's kind of been near and dear to your heart that you've always taken with you throughout these different journeys um, that you've been on. Is there anything you'd share with the listeners um, that's been impactful for you that maybe could be helpful for their own journey? Yeah, my biggest thing is, is just treat people well, whether they're they're a big client of yours or a small client or a potential vendor or some random guy that calls you out of the blue or messages you on LinkedIn. There, there's so much just anger out there. I mean, even like rejection, I, I get rejected all the time. I mean, you, you could have rejected having me on this podcast. Like I you, you put yourself out there as an entrepreneur, there's going to be rejections, but you got to come from a place of just understanding and treating people well and, and long term that that's going to really help you. Uh, that's a great note. Uh, great note, Nathan. And uh, man, I appreciate this. I know we had to keep it tight uh, with with your schedule and stuff. So I'm so appreciative to take time out of your day and kind of share this journey and some of the different things you guys are doing. I'm definitely excited to see the uh, the trajectory of your guys' growth and uh, look forward to staying in touch with you. Yeah, same here. Thanks again for having me on. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode and look forward to having you on the next one. And if you want to mind just one more quick thing before you run along in your day, Head over to iTunes, leave me a quick review and a rating. Let me know how I'm doing. It's the only way I'm going to make this podcast better each and every episode. And go connect with me online. My website, brianondraco.com or at brianondraco on Instagram and Twitter. Look forward to hearing from you guys and connecting with you all further. I'm certainly so grateful for just the opportunity to you know, put this podcast out and have people listen to it and give me feedback and stuff. It's really cool. I hope I'm continuing to provide value with a lot of these great guests I'm having on and some of these stories. If there's any feedback you have or anything you, know, you think would be cool for this podcast, don't hesitate to reach out um, and send me a note, and I certainly look forward to hearing from you. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Have a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.